Hello, ProSci family. So good to see you. We are so excited to be here today. Um, this is honestly a privilege. It's an honor. Just imagine a three-year-old on stage just kind of doing cartwheels, except I can't do it, so you just have to imagine it. That's how excited I am to be with you. But I wanted You're to doing give, it in your heart. In my in your heart. <laughs> I wanted to give my husband an opportunity to say hello as well. So yeah, it's so good to see all of you. Pearlside, Pastor Jim LaFoon always brags on how you're one of the greatest churches in the planet. And you guys are looking at who, me? Yes, go ahead and point to yourself and give God the glory for what he's done through yeah. this church and how he's brought you here for a reason and a purpose. So grateful to be here with you guys. Um, I had a chance to be uh, with you guys for the whole uh, morning, all of the morning services. Just a wonderful time. I do want to say that we are family, that we are your brothers and sisters in North Carolina uh, in the, on the mainland. And there's so many more of us, but we are, are praying for you guys, lifting you up, and trusting that the blessing of the Lord would continue to multiply his goodness in your life and through this church and how it impacts so many different places. And there's more to come what God's going to do through Pearlside. Amen to that. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So I just want to share a little bit about me. We're actually here on the island with our family. So this is not our first time, but it is my family's first time. And um, I was really hoping, I want to introduce you. So yes, that's my family. We have three beautiful kids. They were here at the third service this morning, but you know, they want to do the island thing. So they're at home and uh, the oldest is 14. Nicholas, he's way taller than he is right now on, on the picture. And so I'm getting used to having a tall person in my house because I was, I am the mom. I was always like this. Now I'm like this and it's just different. And then our second son, David, he is the one that keeps us on our toes, has tons of ideas. I mean, the Energizer Bunny has nothing on this kid, has a lot of energy. And so he's just fun to be around. And then, of course, our sweet but spicy little girl, Shiloh. Don't let that smile fool you. She is loud and she knows how to take on her brothers. And I am learning the girl thing because I was used to boys and now I have to figure out the girl thing. So it's, it's very comical in our family, but they send their love. And uh, it's been a joy to see them step into the island for the first time and to see the smiles on their faces and like, oh my gosh, this is a bite. Anyway, it's been fun. So thank you again for having us. It's just such a joy. And to continue in the series that you've started last week, Resilient, I want to start by sharing a story that I read about from a pastor, another pastor, who was on a flight, and he had sat down on his seat, but he noticed there was a woman who was going to visit her family, and she was putting her hand luggage in the overhead bin. Overhead bin. She struggled to get it in there, but she managed to do it. She pushed it in. She closed the bin, and everything was fine. The plane landed, and it was now time for her to get her bags out and to come out. Now, I don't know about you, um, for those of you that ha have flown before, usually there's always that one person that holds up the line when they're getting their bags out of the overhead bin. So I could only imagine how she was feeling because the bag that she had put in did not want to come out. And so she was tugging and pulling, and the pastor said he just sat there and just watched her. I mean, at this point now, everybody had come off the plane, and she was trying to get the bag, and then a young man asked her, can I help you with it? And she goes, I think I'm going to be okay. I put it in, so that means it can't come out. 
And so she's tugging, she's messing with it. And at one point, she just kind of put her hand on the hip and just kind of looked at the suitcase, just looking. Calm, collected. And then she went back, did a little shimmy, and then this, the luggage came out. This was 10 minutes after everybody was off the plane, and she had just kind of toggled with it. But the pastor said he watched her, and the Lord ministered to him in that moment. Because what happened is she was not flustered. She was not frustrated. She took some time to figure out, okay, I have a problem. Somehow, this got in, but I can't get it out. And in that moment, when she put her hand on her hip, what she was doing is she was showing that she was resilient. Because in that moment, she had faced a challenge, and she could have been so frustrated, but he said he noticed how calm she was, and she postured herself and said, okay, I got to figure out a different way to get this out, because I put it in, and she was able to get the suitcase out. And so when you think about resilience, it's our ability to be able to look at situations in regardless of how insurmountable they are and to say, you know what? I have to regroup. I have to refocus, be adaptable and flexible because I'm going to come out regardless. And that's what I want to share with us today. Because we see this in the life of Elijah and in our own personal context, we got to tell the truth. We live in a flawed, in a fallen world with, with flawed people. And here we are, all these kinds of things going on on the earth. Things are changing faster than we can even change an iPhone from 14 to 15. And we're trying to figure out how do I make it? How can I live victorious? But God has the answer here. And this is what I want to tell you, Pearl Sight, is that we are resilient when we believe God will provide in every season. We are resilient when we believe that God will provide in every single season. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, for this moment and for your word. Lord, I am asking in the name of Jesus that it will not just be articulate and eloquent. I want that, but God, I'm asking for the demonstrative power of you, Holy Spirit. You know exactly where we are. You know what we're having to juggle. You know the transitions we're going through. Would you please this evening speak to our hearts? Give us your wisdom. Challenge us, oh God, but help us to stand strong, resilient, knowing that, God, you are for us and you are with us and you will help us in every season. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you are resilient. You got to put some oomph to that. Or if they're not oomph enough, you could just say, I am resilient. Okay. We are resilient when we believe God will provide in every season. And we see this in the life of a man by the name of Elijah. See, Elijah means, his name means he is, God is Yahweh. And so, but just the meaning of his name, and back then when people were given names, they were given names, it was tied to what they believed their destiny will speak to, or what they will fulfill. So his name being Elijah was speaking to his purpose, that he was going to declare the word of the Lord, reminding his people that God was Yahweh, that God was the God of every season, that God was present regardless of what people believed or what was happening in people's lives. And so here he is, he's declared the word of the Lord, and he said there is going to be no rain. 
because back then they were worshiping idols, Baal or Baal, depending on how you pronounce it. And it said, it's believed that the particular God that they were worshiping was a God of prosperity. The people had believed that this was the God that was the one that was going to create things and provide for them and give them prosperity. So he was speaking the word of truth, helping the people understand that this idol can do nothing. This God that they were serving cannot do anything, but only the God that can hold the rain and let it fall is the one that had power. And so here he is, he's spoken the word, there's a drought, and God has led him into a brook. In the middle of a drought, God's led him to a brook where he's had all the water that he wants, and he's fed by ravens. And so we pick back up here in 1 Kings chapter 17, starting from verses 8, and it says, Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. Now let me actually go back to verses 7, excuse me. But after a while, the brook, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. So again, the very thing that God provided, the brook has now dried up. Verse 8, then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath as he arrived at the gates of the village. He saw a widow gathering sticks and he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house, and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. So here you have Elijah. He's received a word that God told him, um, he led him to a brook. That was provision. And all of a sudden, the brook dries up. I don't know about you, but there have been several places in my life where I believe that I have received a word from the Lord only for things to begin to change. For instance, a place to work. God leading me to a place to work. And all of a sudden, all hell's breaking loose. Or maybe you believe God's given you a word to attend a particular school and you're there, you're thriving, but all of a sudden the scholarship to that school just, you can't even explain, they just say they don't have any money. And you're thinking to yourself, God, where are you in all of this? It says in this moment that that's exactly where Elijah was. Is there was a brook and all of a sudden it was drying out and then God gives him a word, which brings me to my very first point. You see, when we are resilient, when we believe God will provide in every season, and the way he provides typically is, number one, he gives us divine instruction. God speaks his word. We are resilient as we receive God's instruction. Do you believe that God knew that that brook was going to dry up? So if God knew that that brook was going to dry up, that means that God knew that it was time for a pivot. 
You see, a lot of times we, our books could be our job, it could be our family life, it could be a relationship, it could be maybe moving from one place to another, and all of a sudden we're seeing doors closed up. But what happens is when we find ourselves in those positions, a lot of us, our immediate response is we get frustrated. And we get frustrated because we're so used to the comfort and the conveniences that the resource provided. But when there's a drying up, all of a sudden we can't see past what we used to have. And because we can't see past what we used to have, we begin to look for answers in every other place but God. We look for it when we're scrolling down on our social media feed. I mean, hello, Google, let's figure out how to fix this. And if we can't find it on Google, we go to our friends, but we don't go to the very place that God, where God is and he can give us instruction. I am a firm believer that every earthly challenge has a kingdom solution. But the reason why people don't enter into that kingdom solution is because they don't even ask the king of the kingdom. But God has kingdom solution for every earthly challenge. And typically when there is something dry or when this looks like there are closed doors, it is an opportunity for us to invite the voice of the Lord to speak to us because God has a solution. And usually that solution means it's a pivoting. And divine instruction means something that comes from God. Typically it's divine because it's not something we can conjure up ourselves. It's something that we get either through reading his word or we get it through prayer. And I have to tell you something. The Bible specifically says, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And that's in Romans 10, 17. So this word, this Bible is where we get instruction. God cares about the things you care about. God cares about the things that look like they're so hard and you don't understand. And he wants you to invite him to partner with him so he can begin to speak into those things and begin to give you instruction. When we look at the text today, that's exactly what God did. He says, immediately God spoke to Elijah when the brook dried up, and he says, I want you to go to Zarephath. And I have already spoken, or I have prepared the heart of a widow to provide for you. I believe that some of you are in here and you are trusting God for some friendships. There's been friendship situations or maybe there's a situation at your job and you've tried everything in your human power to fix it. But God is saying, can you just relax and begin to invite me through prayer? Can you open up your mouth and let me speak into your situation? If you would just take a moment to say, God, here's what's going on. I don't know about this resource. Financially, I don't know how to make it, but can you please? Please provide. Can you give me wisdom? Can you give me insight? It doesn't matter where you are in the spectrum economically. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter if you're in middle school or high school, or maybe you've been a Christian for many years. God wants to speak into your situation. I remember many years ago, I was at a job that I really enjoyed. I worked for a pregnancy care center. And I would go to schools and I'll speak about character education. My boss at the time decided to transition to something else. So really, it just made sense. There was conversation. I was supposed to take her position. And so I went to the executive director. She had talked to me. She said, okay, we're, gonna, we're thinking about giving you, uh, moving you into this position. And so we just need to approve it by the board because this was a nonprofit organization. Two weeks went by, three weeks went by, four weeks, five weeks. I was doing the job as a director, but my pay was, was, was still the pay of a coordinator. And so I went up to her and I just said, hey, I just 
want to find out what the decision was. And she goes, oh, I'm so sorry. I thought I told you. The, the treasurer said he didn't want to change the budget. So I'm sorry. There's nothing we can do right now. And I remember going to God in prayer and I said, Lord, I'm doing the job, but I'm not acknowledged for it. I have bills to pay. What do I do? And in that moment, the Lord spoke to me because the word before that has always, was always, don't apply for another job. Stay where you are. I'm going to provide for you. But after I went to the Lord, flustered, but I went to him and I said, God, give me your instruction. Immediately, the Lord said, it is time. You can apply for another job. So I went ahead and I applied for this job, didn't hear anything. And again, the Lord spoke to me. He said, call the job, call the office and let them know that you applied for this job and you're trying to figure out what's going on. Again, divine instruction. So I called the office. I was so nervous. So those of you that are applying for jobs, God is with you when you have to call back. I just want you to know that. I called the job and the lady that picks up, I find out later, is not even part of the people that are interviewing. She just happened to pick up the phone call. I told her my name. I said, I applied for this position. I haven't heard back. She goes, hold on one minute. She goes to the hiring manager. They hadn't even received my application. So they called the HR office, pulled my application, and the very next day, I got a call for an interview. Long story short, not only did I get this job, the pay was $10,000 more than I was paid for in the job that didn't even give me an increase. And I shared this with you this morning, and it was a job that opened up opportunities that I could have never gotten. A job that gave me an opportunity to share the gospel to people, to connect in ways that I never would have. If I, in that moment, when the door was closed, if I had not just said, God, would you speak into my life? God wants to use you where it looks like the door is closed, where it looks like nothing is happening. I want to just explain this to you. There is something going on. You might not see it, but God wants you to invite him into that situation to partner with him so he can give you divine instruction and pivot you in the right place. Amen. We receive divine instruction. We are resilient as we receive God's instruction. But you see, what happens here is now Elijah has heard this divine instruction. But what's interesting is now he has to do something with it. James talks about, in James 1, it talks about how when we hear the word, it's one thing, but it's not just hearing the word. We must do what the word says to do. I love to tell people and give them this illustration. It's not just following up in prayer to receive divine instruction. It's following through. And what happened here, which brings me to my second point, is that there was faith-filled execution. We can be resilient when we follow God's plan, the plan that he gives us through divine instruction. Divine instruction, again, is getting the word from, from his, getting his word from his word. Even when you're in small group, God can speak through people in your small group. God can speak through people when, that are preaching the word to you. God can speak through people or just give you an inspiration as you're praying. You just sense something. But it's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to execute. You see, what was interesting is when, when, when Elijah got this message, he had to go to Zarephath and he had to go look for a widow. 
you have to understand the complexity of this and why I call it faith field. You see, Zarephath was located right next to Sidon. What's interesting about Sidon is that Sidon is actually where Jezebel, Ahab's wife, the queen, who was actually pursuing Elijah to kill him, that's where she's from. It says in 1 Kings chapter 16 and verse 31 that she was from Sidon. So he's getting instruction from the Lord to go to his enemy's house, basically. But not only is he supposed to go to his enemy's house, he's supposed to go look for a widow. You see, back then in that culture, widows were at the bottom of their economic status because the man or the husband or their sons were the ones that were supposed to bring in the bacon, if you will. They worked and they brought in the money while they stayed home. But here, her husband had passed away. We don't know how old her son was. And so she was very, very likely to be poor. So God is not only sending him to the enemy's camp, but he's sending him to someone that on the books, in our minds, in the flesh, should not have any money. Now, if God gave you that instruction, what's the first thing you're probably going to say? I bind you, Satan. Because it doesn't make sense. But it says that Elijah goes. And here's another thing. He goes and he gets to the gate. He sees the woman and he immediately asks for water. But then he says, wait, well, hold on. Don't just give me water because she was going to go get it for him. He goes, give me some food. And she goes, the last food I want to eat before I die? I don't know about you, but there are some days in my life when I have the leftover from a really nice restaurant that I have put in the refrigerator. And I'm coming back because I have not eaten all day and I'm dreaming about warming up that leftover. Only for me to come in and see some kid <laughs> holding it in his hand to eat it. You know that feeling you get if you were in that shoe? Just kind of maximize that. That's probably how she felt. I'm about to eat my last meal. It has no salt. It has no pepper. It's just olive oil and flour. And you are asking me to give you some? But then he continues, and she says, I'm about to die. I can't do that. And he says, no, no, no. I understand. But if you just make a little bit for me, this is what the Lord says he would do. There are some divine instructions that God will give you that will not make sense to the human mind. There are some things that God will ask you to do in the divine instruction that just doesn't make sense. And that's why we must carry it out with faith. That's why we must carry it out trusting that God, if this is you, not only am I trusting that you will provide, but I believe that I'm going to stand resilient because I'm going to see you do something that I've never seen you do before. You see, when God wants to move, most of the time I've seen it in his word, he will choose an unlikely person to do an unlikely thing to get an unlikely result. Why? So he can get all of the glory. Only God could have done it where he will send Elijah to the enemy's camp. And not only to the enemy's camp, but send him to someone that didn't even have the natural means to supply his needs and see God multiply it.
I don't know what God is doing in your life. I don't know what seasonal change or transition you're in, but I come here to tell you that when God gives you divine instruction, when God orders something, he will surely pay for it. And God is a God that does exceedingly and abundantly more than we can imagine, ask, or think. So whatever he's telling you to do, this is an opportunity for you to partner with him to do this. God could have asked anybody else, but he asked Elijah to go to this woman. See, the other thing about this woman is this woman was a Gentile. And I know this because in the gospel, it talks about the Gentile woman, the Syrophoenician woman, woman who comes from the same area that this woman was from. And, it, and she went to Jesus, asking Jesus to come and to heal her child. And see, back then, Jews and Gentiles, they didn't connect, they didn't mix. But God sends Elijah to her. Why? Because God cares about everybody. God cares about Jews. God cares about Gentiles. And in this situation, what he was communicating, he's also cared about Elijah's enemies. God wanted to show his love to someone, that who, someone else who otherwise would not have heard it if Elijah likely did not obey the word of the Lord. So in this moment, he goes, he tells her. But here's another thing that I want you to catch in this story. Elijah fulfills his, his, his portion of obeying God's word, but the widow had something to do too. She had to trust that what Elijah was saying was from the Lord. Some of you, you might be like an Elijah where you're going because God not only wants to do something in your situation where he provides for you, he wants to provide through you. Some of you might be like the widow where God wants to do something immeasurable in your life and he's requiring you to trust him and to open up your hand to not only give, but to receive. We are resilient when we have faith-filled execution, when we, can, when we follow God's plan. I remember my husband shared this story earlier today it was March of 2020. I don't know if you guys know what happened in March 2020. It was the beginning of COVID. And the governor of our, of our state had just said, you need to go out and get all your groceries because we're about to go on lockdown. I remember I was ready, getting ready to go to Sam's Club to get everything that we needed because I missed the memo that there was tissue paper or no tissue paper, but I thought I could get everything I needed. And my husband goes, oh my gosh, we have less than $100 in our account. And this is the first time in a long time this had happened. Because what happened is earlier that year, I mean, it was March, but we had so many expenses. Car, window, house, school, just bombarded expenses. So much so that what was coming out was significantly more than what was coming in. Anybody understand what that feels like? And I remember thinking, okay, well, we got to buy groceries, so we'll just see what we can get. So I go to the store, and I'm getting the groceries, and I'm praying, and I'm like, Holy Spirit, please help me. Please help me, because we've never experienced this. How are we going to do this? Like, we don't know what's going to happen. We're shutting down. And I remember the Holy Spirit speaking to me in that moment, saying, I want you to sow a seed. You see, because in my walk with the Lord, I figured out that whenever I'm in a moment of challenge, it is important that I need to listen to what God is doing because that's always an invitation for him to do something I've never seen him do before. And so I, I heard that. I want you to sow. I said, okay, but you know we don't have that much in the accounts, so how much? 
And I, I sense, I hear the word $200. I start laughing at Sam's Club, laughing. And I get home, I tell this to my husband, and he actually had the same impression that we should give. And I just thought, you know what, Lord, you know, you see what's in the accounts, but you're asking us to give this. We trust you. We will obey you. The moment we said we will obey you, I get a text. Hey, Bomi, I just, the Lord put you on my heart. He wants me to send you some money. I'm sending it to you now. We get a cash app ping for exactly $200. I already knew that that $200 was for sewing. So we took that $200, we prayed over it, and then just divine instruction and with faith, because we knew we could take that $200 and we could just put it in the account, but we knew what God wanted us to do with it, just like the widow. She could have just said, no, thank you, sir. Me and my son would be good. She would have missed out on something. But we took that $200, we sewed it. It was about 10 months later, we realized not only did God take care of us and provide for all of our needs, he actually took that $200 and he gave it back to us a hundredfold. I have no idea how he was able to do that. And frankly, I don't want to know. All I know is that because we sowed that seed by faith and listened to divine instruction, we saw God move and multiply in ways that we would have never experienced had we not fully trusted in him. It's the same thing with the tithe. Yes, God gives us increase, but he asks us as a form of worship to give, not back to him because he needs it, because it's a form of worship. It's an act of obedience. And that's what the widow did. And so when we do that, when we do it with faith-filled execution, it brings me to my third and final point. We experience his supernatural provision. We can be resilient as we trust that God will provide for us. It says when the widow did that, she listened to Elijah very specifically. And if you go back very specifically to verses 15 and 16, I'm just going to read it for you. It says, so she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough for, there was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. When she heard the divine instruction through Elijah, and Elijah heard the divine instruction, and they both executed it with faith-filled, with faith-filled execution they experienced God's supernatural provision. You see, what happened in this moment is she decided to share her last meal and she offered it to Elijah. And, they, and every single day they had something, even in the middle of a drought. Let me tell you, God is in the business of making you a distinguished person. Even when our world is dealing with all these doomsday situations, God is in the business of making his children stand out. Because when his children stand out, then they can look to them and say, what is it that you have that makes you prosperous? Even our economy is going sideways. And it's an opportunity for you to say, I serve a God. 
Let me tell you about my Savior. Let me tell you about my Jesus. You see, the thing about God is, in our minds, two plus two equals four. But when you do two plus two plus God, it's endless. It's endless. And that's what's happened in this situation. Is that not only did they experience provision, but it said they had provision for every single day. Now, one thing I do want you to notice in this provision is there's a similar story that happened with Elijah's protege, Elisha, in 2 Kings chapter 4. It says there was another widow who actually owed people money and she didn't have any food in the middle of a drought. It says Elisha went to her, prayed, and she kept, and the oil that filled her jars kept coming up and coming up and coming up until there was no more. So that was a story of abundance. But in this story, God decided to do it where there was provision, but it was for every single day. You know, sometimes the way God wants to provide, us, provide for us in a different season might be where we trust him for the things that we need from day to day. And it's not that he can't do the abundance. It's because sometimes he just wants to do enough so that we can draw closer to him. Just enough so we can see him in a new light. Just enough so that we become more resilient. Just enough so that our faith grows day by day. Just enough so we see his face in a different light. Just enough so we don't forget who he is. Just enough so we know that the same God that can meet our needs on every single day is the same God that can do it abundantly. I believe the reason why Elijah heard the word of the Lord, the divine instruction, and didn't question it is because he saw God provide a brook for him. He saw God speak to ravens who naturally are stingy birds. They don't like sharing. But they were the ones that God used to bring him food. Again, God will do an unlikely thing with unlikely people to bring an unlikely result. Why? It has his signature on it. God provided supernaturally, which brings me to this point, this overarching thing. God wants us to be a people that are resilient. Not so we can stand and show that we are strong. It's so we can stand and we can point to him. He wants us, he wants you to know that wherever and whatever you're dealing with, maybe it's a job transition, maybe it's a relational situation, maybe there's something you've been believing for and every single time you feel like you're taking 10 steps forward, something happens and you have to take 20 steps back. God is saying, listen, I am with you. It's not over. It's not a period. It's a comma because I write the end of the story. I have the end of the story. Would you invite me? Let me give you divine instruction. Trust me and execute with faith and watch me supernaturally provide for you. You know, we see something similar with Jesus Christ. Because when you think about the widow, she had nothing. She was so desperate. She was writing her last wish, 
making her last food. I don't know the conversation she had prepped in her mind to tell her son. And it was in this moment, because of sin, because of worship of other idols, she was put in this drought. God sends a messenger, Elijah, to come. In the same way, we find ourselves in this world. We find ourselves where we're having to deal in society, where people are saying, this is irrelevant. They're saying there's no power in this. They've taken it out of schools so they can tell our children something that is contrary to what God says they are. And we're living in a world where people don't know what it feels like to be kind. In a world where we're wondering, what would this look like when it's time for me to have children? What battles am I gonna be facing? But see, God knew that, so he sent his one and only son. He sent his son to come, like Elijah, as a messenger, to tell us, if you will just believe in me, not only will I change the trajectory of where you're headed, but I will make you a beacon of hope in the world that is fallen and flawed. I will bless you to be a blessing. I will provide for you so you can see my glory, but also so you can be a light to everyone else and point them to the one true God that has had a plan for them from long ago. The one true God that says they are his. The one true God that says you matter. The one true God that says I have a plan and a purpose for you. It's a bright future. It's one with hope. This is what God wants us to know. This is why God wants us to be resilient, to live victoriously in a world or in a culture that is fallen. So I want to pray for you. I want, to, I want to pray, if you're here right now with all of the, uh, let's close our eyes and really go before the Lord. If you're here, I'm going to pray for two people. I'm going to pray for those that I want you to give your heart to Christ. In fact, let me start with that first. If you're here tonight, maybe you're visiting, maybe you've been coming, but you really have not made Jesus your personal Lord and Savior. You have not come to that place where you invite him into this situation where you feel like, man, the brook is dry and I just need to know where to go. And you're like, I want to hear from him. I want him to direct my life. I want him to lead me. If you're here and you're like, I want my life given to the Lord that loves me, knows me, and, wants to, and I want him to speak to me, if that's you, I just want you to raise up your hand because I'm going to pray. We're going to pray together. If you're here and you're saying, I want that relationship with Jesus. I want to hear his divine word. I want to know his word. I want to live his word. If that's you, see a few hands raised. 
if you're here and there's something on your heart and you're like, oh, perhaps the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. We're going to pray this prayer first. I want everyone to join along as well, but I want you to repeat after me and say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. Thank you for creating me. Thank you for being my Lord. Lord, I ask you to please forgive me for the sins that I've committed against you, for living my own life and not regarding you. Please forgive me. Please come into my heart. I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. Now, Holy Spirit, would you help me to live my life for the glory of God? Lord, would you guide me? I am yours in Jesus' name. Now, if you're here, you've heard this message, you're in between seasons, you feel like the brook has dried up in one area, maybe it's a relationship, you thought it was gonna end in marriage and now you're having to rethink what it was my next because this relationship is no more. Since there's someone in here, you're in the middle of a discussion about your business and you're wondering what's going to be the next step. Am I to close the doors or am I to just pivot differently? Someone in here, you're, there's been conversations about moving and, and just there's such a wrestling about the transition you're sensing about some, something going on with moving and you're just, just not sure. And maybe it's other things that I'm not even, I'm not mentioning right now, but you're here and you're saying, God, I need your divine instruction. Or I need you to please give me faith to fulfill what you're speaking to me. Or you're saying, God, I just need supernatural provision. Wherever you are, whatever it is, I want you to raise up your hand and I'm going to pray for you. And we are going to believe the God that provides, the God of Moses the God of Jacob, the God of Abraham, the God of generations. If he answered then, he's going to answer now. Lord God, we thank you because we know that you are the God that answers prayers. We thank you, mighty God, because your word is true. Lord, I first and foremost pray that you would take this word and multiply it in the direction you want it to go. But God, you see the hands and the hearts that are lifted here. You see the students, you see all of the adults, you see the families, God, and you know what's going on. Lord, there are many people here waiting for divine instruction. Some, oh God, just need the faith to obey you and God, some believing that, Lord, would you meet me here? Lord, I'm asking, would you please do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ever imagine or think? Lord, I'm asking God, you parted the sea. You are the God that knows how to move bones and, and to bring up dry bones, God, and to bring up flesh and to turn them into armies. So mighty King of glory, we ask God, would you now begin to move in this situation? Lord, we invite you, God. We're saying we want to partner with you. Holy Spirit, give us your word. Speak to our hearts right now. I pray in Jesus' name, if anyone is in here, God, 
I said, someone is here and you're saying, I've been waiting for God to speak and I just can't hear. In the name of Jesus, we pray for clarity. Lord, there's someone in here that says, I can't focus. In the name of Jesus, I pray for a divine refocusing. I pray for clarity. I thank you, God, for your word. Even as they read their Bible, God, for verses jumping out of the Bible, highlighted, God, you speak into them in Jesus' name. We bind every spirit of confusion. We thank you, God, for clarity. We thank you for your direction. We thank you for your guidance. And God, even in this house, we thank you for supernatural provision. Help us to be marked by you. Make us a resilient people that stand strong with faith, worshiping you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.